three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, days and gays. This is The Real Pineapple. This is your humble host, Hunter, here. Hope you're all having a great night, day, weekend, whenever you get a chance to check this out. Um, By the time you listen to this review, uh, or to this interview, the review for Prisoner's Daughter will be live as well. And I am incredibly honored to have the director of said film. You know her from 13, which is... If you have not seen 13, that is a mind-blowing movie. Please watch that. Uh, see also Lords of Dogtown. And I am going to ask her about Twilight because I have some I have some Twilight questions as well. Uh, Catherine Hardwood. Catherine, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm really well. Happy Monday. Thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Um, so... I did mention Twilight, and I would be—I would have two siblings who would never forgive me if I didn't ask you a few Twilight questions. So I, I do have a couple here for you. Um, I'm just going to jump in real quick. Um, why the blue hue? That—that that was something I was always like. I like this look aesthetically, and I actually miss it from the sequel. So, yeah, what inspired that for, uh, as far as uh, for the first film? I think um, the cinematographer Elliot Davis and I—we were trying to really give a special quality to the light and when you go take your take your scouting photos and you're in those beautiful forests you know up in the pacific northwest you kind of feel that feeling you know with the fog and the filtered light so we were just kind of giving it that sort of magical feeling <laughs> okay because it's something that like especially in the baseball scene it really jumps out and which is a, an amazing scene by the way um what what would you have done? Because I, I really did miss your depiction of everything. I thought you set a really solid foundation. What would you have done, like, for? because I, I think New Moon honestly falls apart, but what would you have done? Is there anything you can think of off the top of your head that you would have done for the franchise moving forward if you had gotten a chance to do the other four films or... Well, I did have it in my contract that, you know, if my project, my film worked, that I could do all the others, but I chose not to because in a way, right at that moment, I felt like I really uh, felt the first book more than the second one and the third one. I felt it was like the birth of a fresh original idea that Stephanie had in Dream. And then uh, after that, I kind of lost the books. I lost a little bit of the books in my heart. So, you know, I felt like when I read the book, the first one, I felt like, oh, my God, this is like this first time that this girl has really fallen madly and crazy in love. And I, everybody's had that first time. And I wanted to Absolutely. see, like, what does that feel like? Can I put that in a film and make audiences just be like almost like swooning, like remembering that moment and just being in that ecstatic state in a film? And that was a big that was one of my challenge, my challenge to myself. I want to create that sense of madly in love the first time. <laughs> and we don't really have that in the other ones, of course, because, you know. Yeah, um, I, 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 so I have to ask because I think that Twilight has had a, I will say a 
re-examination of it. And I and I do think that there's so like when Bella gets her ankle broken, I actually screamed in the theater because it caught me so off guard the way you did that shot. I was like, oh my god, like I was so pleasantly surprised that you actually took it there. I was like, wow, this is really effective. Would you be that? Would you consider coming back? Considering I guess they're going to reboot it, like, and I and I think a TV format might actually behoove the series better. Would you consider it? Or, well, I wouldn't be against it because I do, you know, I do love those characters, and you know, um, so it could be interesting. But then it could be interesting for other you know, another director to take it on and explore it in their own way too. So, you know, I'm open either way, support it either way. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do have to ask you about 13 because I remember when I graduated high school uh, back in 05, oh God, I'm old. Um, when <laughs> when uh, I remember that was one of those first movies that I was told like, you need to watch this just for perspective and just it'll kind of shape how you look at things and i remember that movie being so groundbreaking and um and and uncomfortable as far as the lens that we look at it and how we sexualize sexualize in general and there, there's so much about that movie you can break down looking back it's been 20 years i mean is what is the legacy of that film for you as far as looking back on it i mean that film was an incredible experience because look at the actors they just evan rachel wood 14 years old nikki 14 years old uh holly hunter they just put their heart into it and you just feel it on the screen even when i watch it you know years later i'm like drawn into the emotions that they brought to that movie and their incredible performance i mean they all got honored with spirit awards and academy nominations and all that golden glove deservedly you know yes absolutely amazing like evan rachel wood she's just had turned 14 and sometimes we had to do 13 scenes in a day because she's underage we had one take on the scenes and she's just like incredible in every take and and every transformation so i had my first movie i had like the dream <laughs> actors you know yeah and I feel like the fact that Nikki Reed was so able to be open and share her life and what she was going through as a co-writer with me and you know and an actor in it that gave a lot of girls uh women all around the world felt like this is my story too you know they could relate to it I've had so many people of all ages (laughs) women and men Skrillex Margot Robbie, you know, instant, you know, people all over the world say, I felt this was my story, you know, which is great because you need to see yourself, like we all talk about now. Are you ever seen? And we're we're teenagers like that seen before, you know. So we were happy that people felt seen or felt like they could relate to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I absolutely adore that film. Um, speaking of films that I really enjoyed, uh, takes us to A Prisoner's Daughter. I think you get, just to be very blunt with you, because that's how I am, uh, I think you get a top five Beckinsale performance uh, of her career out of this. I thought she was incredible in this. Um, and Brian Cox, I mean, fresh off su- su- uh, succession, seeing how he just steps into this role of, you know, a dad with a lot of uh, layers to him. What was it about this project and the script in particular that made you go, oh, yeah, I need to direct this? 
Well, I just love when I read the script, of course, I was drawn in by a person uh, toward the end of their life with a ticking clock, you know, health issue. My father had this passed away from the same situation, you know, cancer, same kind of cancer. So I know that when you get that diagnosis, you're going to, you've got only so many months to live. How do you take all, is it too late to go back and actually make a reconnection with your daughter to make a change, to rewrite your history, your legacy? I thought that was pretty great that he actually kept against all odds, against all of her opposition. He kept trying and he did this. He he physically repaired things. He emotionally repaired things. He taught the kid. He sacrificed himself. You know, it was beautiful. I think all the layers. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing that surprised me in the best way is that there's a scene, and I and I don't think that we see this enough in film. So I give you a lot of credit for how you shoot, shoot the scene in particular, where he just has this very you know a man conversation uh, <laughs> in in the film, and that scene in particular, I just sat there and went, "Wow, you don't normally get an adult being that." transparent with a kid and it was actually something i was taken back by in the best way like talk to me about the importance of that scene in particular and kind of almost getting out of that stigma of kind of lying to kids and kind of protecting them and kind of finding that balance because i think you nail it in that scene yeah that scene is so great i love that scene um well you know think about it this man was not a father a good father figure for a long long time and he let his violent impulses take over and so by the time of being locked up in prison for at least 15 you know at least 13 14 15 years he's had a lot of time to think about that and become in a way a father figure to other people in prison like you see with his cellmate he's kind of helped him through the program and stuff so i thought it was amazing that you know he had the clarity and the no bullshit attitude yeah let's tell like do you want the man version or the kid version yeah I, and i love you give them the options <laughs> So cool. You can have your choice. And of course, the kid picks the man version, you know. Uh, and also, that's a beautiful scene because Christopher Convert, you know, was 12 years old. He he really was courageous in playing, taking on that role and playing with Brian Cox. I mean, you watch him on Succession, you would be, most people would be terrified to do. A oh, I was terrified the whole time. <laughs> To do a one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one scene with Brian, not just succession, look at his other body of work. You know, he's amazing. And so Chris really held his own, you know, in a beautiful way. I thought, you know, he he had his own, you know, you felt the strength of that kid, the vulnerability, how much he needed this in his life, you know, a role model, a father figure. You know, it was it was a beautiful scene. <laughs> One thing about your films that I really appreciate, and I think it's something that's very understated and just kind of overlooked, are the actual credits. Like, I've always loved that about your film, like, especially the 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 first shot we see when we see your name um, in this film in particular, I really appreciate. Same thing with Twilight. What is it about the actual credits that make you go like, I want to put some effort into this because so many times I just see it's like you know black screen get out of here it's yeah. fine <laughs> but like it feels like you actually take actual care when it comes to that aspect of, of the film 
Yeah. Oh, thank you for noticing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I do want you to go out, you know, it's kind of easing you out, you know, like it's, uh, it's helping you digest and process, you know, what you've been seeing so you can still be engaged. Uh, for example, Twilight, I went to the Hollywood Bowl and heard Radiohead and Not I nice. <laughs> that song and I just saw the credits in my, in the sky. I guess I saw like, I want to keep the credits going with that song and find the beautiful black and white images. And I wanted to honor all the actors in Twilight because they were all unknown. So I wanted to be sure to put their name over their face so they would, you know, get some credit and, you know, get out there in the world and have a beautiful career and stuff. Yeah. So, all kind of came together in like one second you know well i think you i think you nailed that so i got two more quick questions for you um you have a very fascinating career like you have stuff you know like uh like directed like i know i'm just sort of head on wheels i'm sad we don't have the time to get into lords of dogtown i love that movie by the way um, i think that movie that movie's great how are you picking your projects as far as like what's inspiring you to get behind the camera at this point well, it's wild because, you know, you have your own passion projects that you try so hard to get made, like 13, you know, which I wrote with Nikki and all that. And sometimes you can get them made and sometimes you could work three years and they don't happen. You know, the magical green light process, you know, so sometimes you people send you a script and you're like, could I love this could i fall in love with this could i do something with it can i make it good you know can i contribute to this and you know it is i do have a lot of different things i i'm just i take the challenge you know i challenge myself let's do the guillermo del toro thing the horror fantasy thing let's try a wild wacky comedy you know mafia mama shooting in rome uh, let's try a very personal story like this an intimate family drama i mean it challenges me yeah <laughs> this bala action crazy you know stuff shooting in tijuana you know i mean i guess i just want to be challenged and try to find like human connections in my film so can i find those kind of human relationships and feel them and and uh, bring them to life so with that said that leads me to my last question if i if you were told tomorrow blank check whatever like whatever you want to make like you know studios got you what is that passion project for you what is that project that you're starting tomorrow Oh my God. Well, I do have a few that I hope are going to happen, but one that I have always loved, it's called the Monkey Wrench Gang. And it's about eco-activists and it's about saving the world. It's about four really wild characters based on a book uh, that are really trying to change the world, but they're hilarious, fun, outrageous, messed up. And it's beautiful. It's out in the desert. Uh, in uh, the, kind of the Grand Canyon. We've got the Grand Canyon rafting trip and many people like Sean Penn, Robert Redford, you know, Dennis Hopper have loved this book and have tried to get oh. it made. For years, people have tried to get this made and that's something that I love that book. Okay. Thank you. Um, um with that said Catherine um I cannot seriously express enough I'm I'm a fan thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today I again 
Thank you. It means the absolute world to me. Can you please tell people where they can watch this film, where they can find you, social media, all that fun stuff? Yeah, well, I've got, I think I'm just on the normal, you know, Catherine Harder Instagram, that kind of thing. And then the movie is coming out, and I believe it's in quite a few theaters, almost like 80 or 100 theaters opening this weekend. And then, of course, um, following that, the typical month or so later, you'll be able to buy it. So I hope you guys online, hopefully you guys will see the beautiful performances that Kate Beckinsale, Brian Cox, Chris Convery, Ernie Hudson, uh, John Huertas, and Tyson Ritter did in this movie. They're all super cool. They really are. And, and yeah, Ernie Hudson, oh my God, I was so happy when I saw him in this. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like that that was a wonderful surprise. So so thanks for that as well. Um, That's such a big heart. You just got to love that guy. You know? And look at him. He's so fit. He's like a badass, man. I, I know. I was like him, him boxing. I was like, okay, this is, I'm like, this is cool. I was not expecting this. Not on my bingo card for 2023, but I love that. <laughs> but and Brian Cox does his fighting too. I mean, he's a badass too. You know? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with either of them um, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> um, Catherine, again, take care of yourself. Thank you so much for taking the time. Can't wait to see what you do next. And uh, yeah, I hope this does well. Thanks again for talking with me. Thank you. Take Great. care. A lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Goodbye.